Business Rap. Business Rap of the Day on Metro FM Talk with Aya Bongatlawe. 14 minutes it is after 7 p.m. We kick things off and we go straight into the latest happenings in the world of money and power. And uh, yeah, at the start of this new week, uh, markets uh, opening and uh, yeah, the RAND a lot weaker today and uh, yeah, just uh, hovering above that uh, 16 rand mark to the US dollar. And uh, of course, uh, also, I guess, as I said last week, uh, you know, we had become accustomed, you know, to oil prices at particular levels uh, in the South African economy. And uh, when you see them now uh, hovering over $70 a barrel, it certainly is going to have massive implications at the pumps. Nisabo Maninja joins me now on the line. Nisabo, good evening and welcome. Uh, evening. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm good, good. So let's start off, I guess, with that story, I mean, of uh, how markets fared today and in particular the currency coming in, uh, uh, yeah, much, much weaker than what we've seen it, uh, um, least of all, I guess, over the last year or so. But I think for me, that big story uh, from oil price that we saw hovering around a $30 a barrel. It's now, uh, I guess, uh, nearing $80 a barrel, which must, some might say, I guess, is a psychological milestone. It is a psychological milestone. So, number one, um, I think um, the expectation the oil price has been, as you know, it's driven primarily by sentiment as well as supply, um, supply demand, uh, and fundamentals. Um, last year, then last year, when we chatted about the fact that the oil price, um, the OPEC countries decided to cut output as a result of declining demand, as a result of everybody locked down. Now, we now are vaccinated. Um, first of all, that means they're fairly vaccinated. Um, the first world, not as, uh, not as a selfie. But the expectation was that um, demand would go back to uh, higher levels. And that's what's basically been driving um, oil price. Also, with the fact that they actually declined um, supply output, actual production output, which um, enabled which sort of uh, worked hand-in-hand hand with um, the, the increase. Um, fundamentally, um, I think that uh, you saw on Friday um, with the announcement of the Omnia, or am I saying it right? I'm not saying it right. I'm saying it right. Uh, the, the new variant, um, that oil price went down by 10%, but then it slightly recovered. As you know, Although South Africa is currently in a trading surplus, we're not in a deficit, um, you've had two things happen. You've had increasing interest rates by the U.S. Fed. Uh, you've got the oil price. And as you know, we're, uh, we don't we're, we, um, import. We import we were, mm. we're importers uh, when it comes to the oil price. So unfortunately, you've got those factors. It was bound to um, increase um, the oil price. For if you think about where it was in January, February versus what it is now, and um, there's been a forty percent increase on the petrol price for consumers, but the oil price has actually doubled, mm. more than doubled. And we were shielded primarily for the greater part of the year because of our strength in RAM. That's no longer the case. So you're going to start seeing it a little bit. The, the price hikes, as you can see, have been getting quite significant, and. You, you sort of see it come through in that perspective. Um, and, and from that perspective, mm. I, um, I sold up petrol last week, and I I drive a 1.2 liter, and petrol it 
Marshall Tank was um, just under 600 grand. That's when I know the oil price. I don't know how other people are surviving. I genuinely don't know. And I drive a 1.2 meter. Yeah, and we so, also haven't seen like rapid, rapidly high wage increases to be able to shoulder that. So. Yes, and, and that's so, the thing. So, you know? so uh, today I was actually looking at the producer price inflation and you can see it coming. So it's going to hit consumers. I think we can see it already as consumers. We can see it already as consumers. But you should start seeing the heavy food increases, Jan Feb, Jan Feb, straight after harvest season, because you can literally see it. You you can sort of see it where it, where it's coming from. You got your, you know where it's sort of coming, and that and 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 it does put wages under pressure. But fundamentally, wages. If you think about real wages, wages have been um, have been quite. There's been negative growth in wages, I would say, for the past um, two, three years. I'm speaking in what I've been seeing in my professional. Like, you can mm. see everything else is increasing but what you're getting paid. Sure, sure, sure. And I guess, Nesipo, a big part of uh, the other side of that coin, I mean, you know, because real wages is your wages, and uh, if you factor that alongside inflation, is what's going to drive inflation. And I think a lot of people... Uh, you know, um, asking themselves around whether or not, you know, if we find ourselves locked in again, uh, whether fuel prices will come back uh, to the levels that we saw when we had similar lockdowns. But let's shift, uh, shift away from that for a second. I mean, mm. one of the big consumers of fuel, by any stretch of the imagination, is the aviation sector. Um, and I found it so interesting, I mean, somebody was talking about this, that Kutua, uh, you know, jet fuel that's used in aviation is a very sophisticated form of paraffin uh, and maybe some of those in the aviation sector will explain to us uh, why that is the case but uh, it seems our national carrier might be much closer there to uh, that uh, deal with the Takato consortium uh, what do you make of that I can no I'm saying our national carrier might be closer to that deal with the Takato consortium this after the due diligence uh, as we heard earlier on today was concluded uh, they said they were complete. They said it was substantially completed. Those are the words exactly. What does that so, mean in lay in lay people's terms? Because it is substantially. So, 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 um, so basically, they basically said that there's nothing untoward that they found during the due diligence process. I think what they're going to be a signaling process is the economics of it all. Mm. Uh, the economics of it all, mainly the, the the purchase price and the equity shareholdings. Um, I think we all heard um, earlier last week, last week, and even with people say that mango is no more, is no more effectively unless you can get that capital injection or strategic equity partner. So I think the question that's huggling um, over SAA is um, purchase price and what equity shareholding, because ultimately, um, and how much capital is actually going to be required, because I think sometimes people forget that um, SAA has very little assets. Because remember, we did this thing of selling everything, selling the planes, you remember? So mm. it's, it's, its value lies in its commercial arrangements and the route, and part of its strength in the route. So that's where the value accretion has been. It's also essentially different to what it was in the team, where it was when it entered uh, business, rescue, um, mm. business Rescue, in that fundamentally has less stock. The question then becomes is, is it a commercially viable enterprise and will government get a return or yeah. we're selling crown jewels? Um, 
crown jewels. It's either or. My whole logic is that airlines as a business model are very risky and they don't make money. Yeah. They don't so make money. Within margins. There's one thing I'm quite interested in hearing from you. Now, we know Mango was part of the stable of SAA. Um, and there might potentially be some competition or I guess you know fishing in the same market type of situation. If we consider that uh, you know the owners of Lyft are also part of this consortium alongside Harris, um, and Lyft is currently operating in the same market segment alongside a mango. So we've heard some murmurs that you know the Takatsu consortium, uh, while they might be interested in SAA, are not entirely interested in mango. What, what do you make of that? And I guess what that means for the future viability of uh, the budget uh, a carrier that was part of SAA. So the problem with mango is that a lot of people always talk about the possibility of mango, and um. I'm going to say not so much. Mango was heavily subsidized by yeah. Uber. Mm. So there was a lot of cross-subsidization, a lot of intercompany uh, propping up that enables for Mango to look like a viable entity. So, so what shape did that take? Like what, intra-party loans? What, what was that? No, it just talks about the leasing arrangements of the plane. So oh, you do things different. Mm. So, and also the... the, the, the uh, in terms of the capitalization of Mango, uh, you've got to look like in that in, in that competition side, you also got to look at how Kaluda Conair did the Kaluda British Airways. You've got the exact same model that post-lockdown and um, saw fire flames, absolute fire flames. And you've got that same situation being replicated with the FAA Mango. So I don't necessarily see the, the opportunity. Also, in our country, our country is big and also small at the same time. People prefer roads, and there's only a small population that actually flies. And if you don't have that business travel to subsidize you during the year, because remember, a big part mm. of low-cost airline is pushing seats. It's having seats and uh, pushing seats. And if you don't have that level of continuous um, seats which are flying in and out during or peak time to sustain you when you make your money during peak time. And mm. then you also have that, that unknown uh, factor of the oil price, which also, they, they hate it every six months, but it eventually catches up with you six months later because you're going to be paying that mm. fundamentally. So that's where I, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit lost, or what's the word again? I may not, I don't see the clarity yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's why I pose the question that uh, it, it still seems a bit unclear, I mean, what's going to happen uh, to the one part of SAA that might not necessarily fit into the mix of uh, the new SAA that is expected to rise like a phoenix from the ashes around 2022, according to the Minister of uh, Public Enterprises, Pravin Gordon. Um, let's maybe shift slightly away from the aviation sector. And take a look at what happened in consumer markets towards the tail end of last week. Black Friday sales. What do you make of, I guess, some of the early numbers that are coming out of um, the number of card swipes uh, right through, I guess, to uh, the number of transactions on particular platforms? Uh, we heard FNB coming out with their numbers. Uh, and, of course, they compared it to 2020, which might not necessarily be a fair comparison. Uh, but it certainly does mean something. Uh, that uh, they've seen uh, a double-digit rise in the number of transactions going through some of their card and uh, other platforms. So what I thought was interesting, uh, interesting, also fascinating, was that the number of transactions increased quite significantly. You had sort of 3% in volume transactions. So mm. more people are shopping online, more people are 
are taking advantage. But what I thought was interesting was the fact that um, from a basket side, i.e. the value that people were swiping was was, um, less, Mm. was less, which points to uh, the fact that people are not spending as much, number one, people are spending less, but more people are buying. And for me, it's a a good sign that a lot more people are buying online because I eventually want us to move to online so we can all stop clogging up the malls. What I'm most interested in is to see the foot traffic numbers in the malls because I think for me, that would have a, a much more, you'd be, it, it'll be much more effective specific in terms of the success of, uh, uh, of um, this marketing Black Friday. Personally, I didn't shop because it was just not worth it. Mm. <laughs> it literally was just not worth it. And other people might feel differently, but for me personally, it just was not worth it. It just wasn't worth it from an economic perspective, and uh, I'm not swayed by the, the, the term called um, sale. However, others may be, but what, like I said, I'm, what I'm most interested in seeing is the food traffic, because me, that would tell you in terms of the, the size and the depth of the recovery of the retail sector, if you get what I'm saying, mm. because I think that would be a better reflection. Um, You've seen all major retailers report um, numbers, and what has been quite um, prevalent is that the, the the food inflation number hasn't. It, the inflation number has been the driving increase, not necessarily the driving in growth. So, like I said, I'm curious to see. I'm curious to see um, more completeness of information. And remember, online shopping in SA is not even double digit, so yeah. we must. Let's always remember that. But let's talk just about the composition of some of the spend. Um, Because I guess that that gives us an interesting signal, even of some of the physical footfall that's gone into some of the big retailers here. Electronics and appliances, uh, still it seems at the top of the pile. Of course, that's where most people, because remember, going into December season already, so that would always be um, quite significant. Um, I was surprised by it because there is a shortage. I'm a victim of the shortage. Shortage of what? Uh, electronics, there is a shortage. There is a real shortage. There's a shortage, shortage of that. everything, it seems. Yo. Yo. Yeah, yeah. Um, Nesbo, so, Selo, and Azuzia, shorter. That's what we're hearing. Yeah, TVs, there was big spending. Um, they were saying, like, electronic spend was up 120%. People spending big on TV, appliances, mm. and consoles, which I think is very, very interesting. But, again, we're going into year end to season. That, for me, that's a normal in, in December year season last year. Also, the fact that people were employed longer, we didn't have a hard lockdown. So I think, again, coming from a small place of last year is not quite comparable. And and if you compare it to 2019, uh, I mean, just by your assessment, uh, with what you recall um, of how so I, things I, have gone I, down. I, I, I don't think it's still comparable to 2019. Mm. I think... Um, I think that's the thing. So it was quite interesting, the art for business insight. That's why I'm interested in the food traffic because I think that's where you'll see the difference. Yeah, yeah. Because the increase in online, such a fraction, such a fraction of our greater electronics. So we could be seeing an increase in online um, in online sales of electronics but mm. when compared to your big retailers. You yeah, like I said, and that's where 80, 90% of the old sales are coming from. 
So it's still another 120% increase, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Like I said, if you look at the numbers, it's, it's not in completeness. Stacey, I wanted to shift from this one and uh, head out to the platinum sector. Uh, and we know, I guess, uh, this is certainly not new news by any stretch of the imagination, but it comes at a very interesting time. And this is Implats, uh, I guess, uh, set to uh, get into what some had earlier seen as a bidding war with North and Platinum for some of, uh, if not all, of Royal Bafukeng uh, Platinum. But, uh, yeah, what do you make of this? And uh, we are going to be speaking a bit later on tonight uh, to the uh, vice president of the NUM uh, about the five workers that are uh, unfortunately trapped under the ground at Impala Platinum. But um, I guess above ground, a lot happening, and uh, Impala Platinum tendering at 150 per share, a sizable premium, uh, to acquire uh, a stake of almost a quarter uh, in uh, RB Platts. Uh, what do you make of this? And more importantly, I guess, all of this consolidation that's said to happen in this uh, space. Um, they have to. Um, it's, I, I think people are making uh, 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 this. For me, consolidation is um, a good thing in the industry. I think it's needed. Um, however, guys are making plays for future economies. Um, both uh, Northern and Impala are making bets 10 years and specifically looking at electric vehicles. They're looking at that market mm, and they're looking at green what they hydrogen, all of that. Mm. They're looking at it. They are looking at it. Um, it's a smart move now. Now is literally the premium time to uh, what I thought was quite interested uh, with uh, Impala's um, offer was that it's fully funded cash and shares, and uh, they're not walking away without a fight. Mm. Um, they're not walking away without a fight. So I'm interested to find out who's going to be a winner. Um, I think an outright purchase doesn't seem likely by either entity, either Northern or uh, Impala, an outright, um, but there is and guys are looking to consolidate, and you have to consolidate when you think of the future. Remember, miners, we don't see miners' moves. We only see the impact of their moves 10 to 15 years later because that is how long the cycle is. So if you look at where platinum is at, uh, we're at the peak. Uh, we're at the peak. The trough is about to hit. Would you, say, would you not say that we've already passed the peak? I mean, look, aside from Palladium, which is still at around sort of what, over 1,700 no, US it. I think we've passed it, but, you know, but these things, these things in cycles, they work in 17-year cycles. So you can't really be... So this is the time to consolidate when money is still available to consolidate. Mm, mm. Yeah, so that's an interesting one there. And uh, as I said, we're going to be talking, I guess, about another more you know, unnerving outcome uh, uh, out in uh, uh, Rustenburg's, uh, or I guess the Impala Platinum operations out in Rustenburg uh, with uh, the NUM in our shop steward's corner. But just uh, briefly, Snezipo, I guess, you know, if you look at these guys uh, in relation to some of uh, the other massive players in the competitive landscape, the likes of Sibanye, Stillwater and others, uh, what does all of this mean, I guess, uh, for uh, the PGM space and um, the price at which many of the downstream industries we've spoken about, electric vehicles, green hydrogen, and many others, even fuel cell technology, um, the price at which they'll be able to receive one of their main feedstocks here, which are some of these PGMs. Yes, like I said, um, we've hit the peak, uh, time for the trough. So they're not really the problem. The question is that when it peaks again, mining is a, is a cyclical. The way we are with electric vehicles is that we're now, we're still in its infancy. So we're basically, as much as everyone wants to talk about the amazingness of Tesla, 
even green hydrogen, um, hydrogen literally still in ideation conception phase, if we have to be honest, infancy, pure infancy. Yeah, yeah. So they, they only become major demand uh, demand factors when you start kicking in five, a minimum of five years from now. Unless you have visions so, of hoarding like Elon Musk, right? Yeah, I, and, and, and that's the thing. You've got five years of them doing the development of the work, and if they spend it correctly, it could be shorter. Mm. But you've got five years, so they pick up when the demand hits again in year seven. It's, like I said, money, mining works, works in cycles. Uh, um, he speaks to mining bosses, um, literally. Some guys have been in the game for 30, 40 years. They literally are like, this is the priming. This is the down. It's going to come down. Don't worry. Don't panic. Don't panic. Don't panic. So think about it. The year now is 2021. Um, uh, in 2014, you knew where the platinum price was going. 2014, 2013, 2014. This is now. So we went up. What comes up now must come down. It's just just the way it is. It's it never goes up forever. It's the same thing no, with for oil. Sure, for up sure. and down. When it comes up, it must come down. Stezibo. I want us to maybe, uh, I guess, just talking about all of this uh, new technology that's uh, fired by uh, Platinum. Uh, a big debate happening out in Pumakoloni uh, around that strip between Morgan Bay and Port St. John's. Uh, yeah, around the exploration activities of Shell. We even heard stories of, uh, you know, uh, uh, retail fuel garages ditching the company. Uh, what's the latest here? And more importantly, I guess, what do you make of this particular one uh, in the context of uh, all these big debates around mitigating climate change and the role of, in particular, offshore uh, oil and gas discoveries as part of, um, you know, that, I guess, pursuit of mitigation and adaptation? Uh, for me, it's the fact that the, the, the impact of this is survey. My issue is that this is exploration that you don't know even work and you're destroying an entire ecosystem. Imagine. That is my issue. I, I am not ashamed. I don't. Um, no, I won't even lie. I'm not even for it. I, I'm not even for it. I signed the, I have signed the against campaign. I have donated. I am not for it. When you think of the amount of damage for exploration that might not even yield value, mm-hmm. usually I'm, I'm, I'm usually quite a practical person when it comes to these things because I understand we're a developing country. We need a foreign direct investment, but what I will not do is a destroying of an entire ecosystem for a chance. And some of the most beautiful parts of the, of this country. Yes, I mean, yes, yeah. yes. That's the thing, and that's the thing. So, and and and, and yeah, I just can't. I, I'm not, I'm not for this. I'm not for this. Um, you know, I, 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 when I see something like this, I think about Mr. Kolobini are saying to the world, uh, because a big part of, I guess, even their own contest there around titanium sands was about the ability to keep. Uh, that part of the world in pristine condition and uh, even look for alternatives. I mean, I, I'm not persuaded by this idea that if that exploration that's going to mess up so much doesn't happen, then uh, we're foregoing development. It's a big question around the type of development we want. And uh, I'm not sure if the best thing for that part of the world, um, you know, is to, uh, I guess, you know, put all of these sound frequencies that might kill all of that marine life and uh, all of that, I guess, for the prospect of finding something. What if you find nothing? Yeah, that's my, literally, that's my thing. You, what if you find nothing? And like, like, 
I can't. I, I really, really can't. And I'm, I'm a believer that the residents have the right to say no. Mm. I'm a believer in this. Like, my people, I, I really do. I can't. I can't. I, I can't. Like, I follow um, Richard Spoil and some of the lawyers in that matter. And the things that have been, the length some of these companies have gone to, I, I'm even, like, uh, if you follow Johan, um, like, if you follow Johan Norridan and the things that, and you, you follow the documentation and the details, the, the length they would go to is my issue, the length, mm. the sheer length mm. that I've been going to. And, and for me, I think Africans, we have the right to dictate what type of development we want. Yeah, yeah. So we have the right. We're going to have to leave it there. And uh, yeah, we have the right to not only just determine what it is that we want, but we also have the right to have free, prior and informed consent. Uh, and I think, you know, for me, there's big question marks around a lot of what's happening here, but uh, it's also encouraging that there's a groundswell and uh, growing resistance to this that joins many other forms of uh, protest against uh, similar types of stuff. Snezipo Maninjwa, thank you very much for your time. All right. is an independent market commentator, analyst and CA, joining us for our wrap of the top business stories. We're going to take a brief break now. And when we come back, one of the other big stories um, in relation to the uh, uh, Omnicron Omicron, not Omicron, Omicron variant um, is that, yeah, effectively everybody's uh, banned travel to South Africa, which uh, we're certainly going to have our tourism sector in a tailspin. And we're going to be speaking to the Federated Hospitality Association of South Africa. They say they've lost alongside Satsa 1 billion in travel bookings uh, that uh, were bookings uh, for the period between December and March. It seems uh, there's a lot of blood on the floor of the tourism market, and uh, we'll continue to take a look at that after this.